From the offices of Cocktail Collective, this is Cocktails Distilled, a podcast that takes your favorite spirits and liqueurs from the still to the cocktail glass. In each episode, we talk to distillers and creators about particular expressions that their brand have released, what they are, why they were created, and in what cocktails they can be used. Are you ready to understand what's in your glass, or perhaps should be? Welcome to Cocktails Distilled. With a large number of craft and artisanal spirits available, the focus has now turned to the quality of mixes that you can put with them. Gone are the days when post-mix style mixes are good enough. Now consumers are looking for more quality products with natural ingredients. One such brand that started earlier this year is Artisanal Drinks, who offer a range of five tonics and a barrel-aged cola. Talk about Artisanal Drinks and particularly about their Violet Blossom tonic we are joined by Mickey Enright, a name that you might know from the outstanding Sydney bars, Barbershop and the Duke of Clarence. Thank you for joining us, Mickey. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, how did the idea for Artisanal come about? Um, okay, so first of all, we, we wanted to make a mixer drink uh, which really enhanced the flavours and botanicals of the quality spirit we wanted to pair with. Um, I'll, I'll give you the brief history on how we came about as a partnership. Um, myself, Steve Cooper and Alan Walsh, um, we were having drinks in the bar and, and Steve Cooper used to work for CCA as well as he owned a distribution company as well. Um, and Alan Walsh is a quite a famed artist that I know. So basically, Steve proposed to us that, you know, why don't we get together and produce a mixer? Steve being like, the entrepreneurial type, myself being couple of flavours and, and in the bar industry for over thirty years. And then also Alan who's a you know a very good artist. Um so it kind of started from there, um, at the Duke of Clarence, uh, well actually bef- before it opened. And then from there we kind of uh, started playing with some flavours um to see what we could come up with. Uh, so we, we basically mixed the flavours within the bar area. And then, and then we sent those flavors and the ideas of those flavors of what ingredients we wanted to a lab. And then they started to put something together a bit more structured, um, to see what, you know, what flavor we could come out with and see if it would work. First of all, that's how it kind of came about. Were you talking about mixers because you thought that there was a gap in the market? Yeah, I think um, you know the rise of the mixer. You know, you kind of you can see it in in supermarkets, which is good. More so in the UK. I mean, there's so many different tonic waters and brands out there now. Um, and obviously, Fever Tree have, have led the way in that premium market, which has been great um, because you know soft drinks were kind of quite standardised and relatively dull and boring for a very very long time until the likes of Fever Tree came about and started sort of premiumising that the mixer market so you know from our side we wanted to do something a little bit different um, in terms of the look and feel but also from a liquid point of view we'll get into the look and feel in a minute but explain to me what you mean by from the liquid point of view well we kind of wanted to use natural flavors and less sugar um, as well as obviously good carbonation the first of all it was like it was really important for us to have 100 percent natural ingredients so that was the first part. And the second part was to have a good amount of quinine, but balanced. 
So it wasn't so quinine heavy, especially when it does right. get to the flavors. We did want the dryness from, from the quinine, but we didn't want it to be overly dry. You know, because the, the gin market has changed with craft gins and contemporary gins. So it's kind of, gins are coming in lots of different ways now in terms from a tip and obviously a different style of gin, but a different taste profile. And uh, with, especially in Australia, yeah. with lots of uh, native botanicals. So, you know, is there a huge need to have like a, a matched, you know, London dry tonic with a matched London dry gin? Um, I, I actually love it. I, I do like it very dry, but I do think that the palate is changing and people are looking for different flavors, you know, to enhance, you know, their experience. You talk about artists and heralding all natural ingredients. How important do you think that is to consumers today? Um, I think it's really important. Uh, if you look at the, the the sugar kind of content in, in Australia, especially in the cities, uh, you know, people have been drinking vodka, vodka lime sodas for so long as the preferred mixer. Um, you know, because it's it's tasteless. It's it's got no sugar in it, and then no harm of putting on any weight from you know drinking these drinks. Um, so when we open. When we opened the barber shop, we actually wanted to, which was six years ago, we wanted to change a bit of that uh, the perception of the gin and tonic, um, but also to start start to get people, you know, our guests drinking gin and tonics. It wasn't very popular back then, right? For whatever reason. So, you know, originally we put in a, a gin tap that just purely poured gin, and it was merely a reference or a, a cue card for people to go, you know, what is that? Oh, it's a gin tap. Oh. We, we use it to pour gin and tonics and, and then we serve gin and tonics in a goblet glass as opposed to a rocks or a highball. And so then right. it was like, so that to us was really key in sort of driving the gin and tonic, which isn't really answering the question about the sugar, but basically how to get people off, you know, um, vodka lime sodas. Now, the natural ingredients is really important. For that reason, people, you know, the discerning yeah. drinker, they want to know that they're drinking natural products and not drinking any you know, any nasties or, you know, preservatives. They, they, that's, that seems to be the way people are going, what they want. Right. Um, even, okay. even with cocktails. Now, you mentioned earlier about also improving the level of carbonation. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, it's... Quite hard. I do think uh, fever tree is probably one of the best levels of carbonation. I think, you know, there's been so many, well, not so many, but like the standard tonic waters that have been on the market that go flat as soon as they hit ice. It doesn't make it a very enjoyable drink. Effervescence yeah. is so important in drinks uh, because it, it almost creates like a slight um, happiness. You almost kind of get a little tiny bit of a high off it, just a slight through the fits. Um, so for us, the, you know, the effervescence was really important, uh, but you've got to be careful right. not to have too much as well, um, because then it can become quite hard to drink, but also you lose a lot of flavours in it. And also, it's quite hard to bottle, I won't lie. You know, the, the, the tops will potentially pop off if, the, if there's too much gas in it. <clears throat> now, you were talking earlier about the growing number of mixer companies that are around. Why should consumers particularly look to artisans? Um, I mean, from our side, we, we kind of 
uh, we're actually working on two new flavors at the moment, um, which I think are quite innovative. But also, I do think, you know, that there is a market for that kind of thing as well. Um, you know, there is a mixer company, uh, which is local, They're very creative. They're coming up with some great stuff. But, you know, is it commercial enough? I'm, I'm not 100%. So I don't want to name the brand, obviously. But I think Beaver Tree do good flavors, very standardized. People know what they're going to get. And we're trying to just break that mold a little bit. Um, but also to make our mixes, you know, compatible with different spirits as well, like the barrel-aged cola, you know, to enhance that experience with, you know, rums and spice rums and, and maybe, you know, certain whiskeys as well, you know, like kind of like yeah. a blend of whiskey or an Irish whiskey. Um, we think it goes really well. We created yeah. the agave lemon, which was uh, like a, it's a bitter lemon style. But instead, we added uh, agave to it um, just to soften it, and it gives it like a slight caramel tone to it. But it goes really well with tequila, obviously. So yes. for us, it was like maybe the agave lemon will not only appeal to gin or vodka, but also um, it will appeal like you know, to people that like tequila and they want to mix it as opposed to having a margarita or sipping tequila. So right. for us, that was that was quite important as well, so that we kind of like diversify to the spirit categories as well. Um, and also, nobody's really done a mixer for tequila, and we were like, great. Um, bitter lemon, the actual uh, bitter lemon as uh, bitter lemon tonic, um, it's never really been big here. Um, more so in the UK, it was, you know, you could date back to probably the 70s, 80s. And people used to drink right. gin and bitter lemon. Back then, it was a brand called Britvic, uh, which was one of the biggest brands in the UK. And and it used to, people used to be used to drinking bitter lemon with gin. Now, in Australia, we 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 actually made a, our own bitter lemon at the barbershop about two or three years ago, um, just to trial it. Give people not everybody just wants gin and tonic, <laughs> you know. So. Yeah. So we were like, well, we'll make it so a bit ahead of our time. So we made our own bit of lemon in-house. But right. people just did, they just didn't really go for it back then. Um, I'm mm-hmm. hoping that will change with the, you know, the rise of the flavored tonic and people will be experimental. And I assume that's connected also to the rise of tequila itself. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, totally. I mean, you know, the quality of tequila uh, that's being imported into Australia, most cows better than it's ever been. Like there's actually standards around, you know, what a tequila and a mezcal is, which is great. And I think general guests are a little bit more aware than what they ever were. So, and then you've got like, you know, small bars like Cantina OK that done a, a specific mezcal focused bar, um, and they're going really well. Shows that that area is growing. You know, to open a mezcal bar, you know, a couple of years ago, nobody would have heard of it. So, and, and you know, there's some high-end mezcals that they're serving there, and people are buying them. You know, twenty-five dollars, you know, for for a, a nip of it. So you know, and they're sipping on it as well. So it's a really good uh, indication, you know, how that category is growing. Now, who do you see as the consumer who's buying your mixes? They're aiming towards, I would say, twenty-five to fifty-five is the age gap right. that we're looking at. Um, we're not essentially targeting, you know, 18 to 25. Um, 
the reason being is it is a bit more premium. Do they have a higher disposable income? You know, are they willing to taste? Is it, you know, gin, gin is a, a relatively new category. Um, gin died for such a long time, you know, it had such a horrible stigma to it. Um, it was a bit oh. like your grandma's drink. Um, but, you know, it is people want to try different flavors. And so it is, it's definitely coming back. And we can see that in the growth of craft distilleries and, and, and other brands from around the world. All right. But I'd say, you know, our audience is, you know, a little bit more discerning as a drinker. Um, they're willing to spend, you know, the additional money to have a flavored tonic as opposed to a regular tonic within their gin and tonic. And also the buying, they're not just drinking house gin. They, you know, our customers are, you know, they're opting for upwards to like a $15 to an $18 gin and, and often right. mixing it with tonic. So, you know, it's not just a martini that people would opt for, you know, a different style of gin. It's the gin tonic as well. Now, can you explain the process of developing the recipes for the mixers, particularly the violet tonic? Well, yeah, we, at first we were kind of, when we were coming up with the flavours and it literally was, um, you know, on the, on the back of a coaster kind of thing of what flavours we think. Um, that's yeah. the first point. And then from that point, we want to figure out what, you know, what the overall flavour is, where's the catch in it, you know, how we're going to make up, balance, you know, that tonic. All right. So like with, with the um, violet blossom, you know, we actually did use um, some some violet in it. Obviously, we use some um, some basil extract. You know, um, give it a slight savoury part to it. We use a little bit of elderflower, some orange, lemon, quinine. We literally kind of like came up with a recipe in the bar where we kind of go right. Okay, I have like a little bit of elderflower. Let's put a little bit of fresh basil in that. Uh, you know, we right. use just a regular tonic and then we work on yeah. the flavors around that once we've got the idea of what exactly what we want we send off that recipe to the lab they were over in um, geneva and then they will send over six to 12 different samples of what they think of different variations of different levels of of each ingredient you know so you might have right. a little bit more elderflower than in, in one than the other and that kind of thing and then once we've kind of pick the one we want and we've got the code then we might say we'd like you to up you know a little bit more orange in it or it needs a bit more quinine once we've done that they'll send back their final desired result we'll sign off on it and then that will go off and uh, to the manufacturer and then that's right. a that's a whole other thing then where we've got to kind of like make sure that they get consistency with producing x amount of volume which has worked so far, so it's been good. There hasn't been too many hiccups. Were you thinking about particular drinks when you were coming up with the flavours? Well, you know what? The, the beauty of um, flavoured tonics in particular is anybody can make a drink at home, you know, and make it relatively interesting. So if right. you're going to make a gin tonic, you know, pretty much all you need is some flavoured tonics, you know, your desired gin, uh, glassware, you know, good quality ice, and then an assortment of different garnishes. And um, mm -hmm. so it's not like if you're making cocktails at home where you need a shaker, a stirrer, a hawthorn strainer, you know, you might need like six different ingredients, um, which some people have, uh, you know, I'd say the majority don't. 
So at home, definitely, like it's it's a easy way to you know make you know refreshing and quite a different taste and drink, um, and right. it's quite affordable as well to do that. Um, yeah, you know, but if you wanted to make cocktails at home, then you know they're definitely worthy of going in those as well. Um, I think that bars in general, um, they don't use mixers like a whole heap of the time in their cocktails. Um, I do think right. it is start. I do think the trend is coming back a little bit. You know, kind of they've only really used like soda, ginger ale, like just your standard. Uh, mixers in cocktails and yeah. ginger beer obviously so this kind of opens it up a little bit where you can add a different dimension to your cocktail mixing as well or, or creations as such um right yeah so i think i do think there's a bit of scope there definitely so basically what you're saying is there's a bit of a return to the highball i would there's a huge return you know if you look at if you look at uh japan and the the Whiskey highball's huge. Uh, you know, it's served everywhere. It's a it's a signature drink as well with Japanese whiskey and other Japanese spirits. Um, the highball, which is pretty simple there, it's like literally whiskey and soda. Um, mm. But also with the highball, um, Diageo are doing a tour around Australia to promote the highball as well with some products from its range. So the highball is definitely coming back. Without a doubt, yeah, it's like right. you know, the gin tonics come back, you know, and it's these simple drinks that people can make at home, and also quite refreshing and easy as well, where they're not where where you know what you're drinking, um, mm. as opposed to a cocktail that might have six or eight, or, you know, sometimes ten ingredients in it, and you wouldn't know, you know, what what all those ingredients are. So, yeah. so it's quite simple for people to know what you know what to make and also what they're actually consuming. Now, you talked about the violet blossom having violet and basil and elderflower in it. How would you describe the flavour? Which which ones are predominant? It kind of has like a a, a slight floral from the violet, uh, but right. it also kind of has like a, a slight berry taste to it. Um, okay. Which is quite, which is quite nice. I'd say not so much savory. I think the savory just balances it out. But I'd say probably more like kind of light berry and floral. Probably florals bigger right. than light berry. I'd say. How important is the aroma to a tonic? Well, I think aroma is very important for any anything you drink or eat, right? So um, it plays a huge part in it. And I think you know that. And if you have, it's called. Um, a gin tonic, but it's called gin tonica, which is a style of a drink, uh, a style of a gin tonic. So basically, it's like an oversized gin tonic in like a Bordeaux right. glass. Um, it originated in Spain. Um, and what they used to do, basically, in the kitchens, the chefs would basically pour themselves a big gin and tonic in the hot kitchen in a Bordeaux glass, you know, from the restaurant. And then what they'd mm. do is they'd add extra garnishes to it and like really load it up with, you know, garnishes that would accompany you know, some of the flavours and aroma. So my point to it is you get a lot of aroma from the drink, from garnishing, mixing with the tonic. It Yeah, it works beautifully. So I think yeah. it's, it's very important too. The uh, violet blossom itself has quite a bit of an aroma. You can smell the violet. Oh, definitely, yeah. I think, you know, it depends what gene you're mixing, mixing it with, but 
overall, I think that you could probably drink Violet Blossom Tonic as as a soft drink as well. Um, you yeah. know, because it's not overly dry. There's a nice citrus taste to it. Um, you know, kind of slight bit of apple as well. You know, so it's all quite fresh flavors that you get from it. Mm. Um, and obviously, citrus is always, you know, a key component into making any gin. So it just enhances that. Right. So I think it's got a good, round, a good round kind of like nose to it, as well as taste. Very balanced. Okay. That's what we think anyway. Now, it's hard to look at the artisan bottle and not be attracted to the labels. Can you tell us what you guys were trying to convey with the label design? Alan Walsh, who's the artist um, who came up with all the images, um, the idea from our side was to create something that was a bit more modern. Um, what we found was um, a lot of the tonic waters, a lot of the tonic, well, rather mixer ranges, were like quite traditional. Relatively, you know, some of them were vintage. Uh, there are modern ones now, don't get me wrong, uh, but we kind of wanted to create something a little bit more of a modern label with bright, bright colours um, that would obviously stand out on the shelf, you know, whenever it yeah. does go to the off-premise. I mean, it is in the off-premise in the UK, in Harvey Nichols and Fortin Mason, so it's kind of, you know, we've not sent it straight to Woolworths just yet. Um, but basically, you know, kind of we wanted it to stand out from the rest of the tonics as the competition grows, which is a good thing, def- most definitely a good thing. But we kind of wanted it to stand out a little bit. And Alan wanted to create the characters, the characters that conveyed the liquid that was inside for each bottle. So if you oh. look at the barrel smoke cola, you've got like this kind of like cool dude who's kind of, you know, got his foot on the barrel and he's kind of like looking out thinking, you know, to like the Violet Blossom where you've got this kind of, you know, a lady that looks like she's just come out of the camp, you know, festival. So it was really, so the characters were like quite important um, to the brand as well. Uh, and right. obviously the colors and stuff like that. Now, if someone were to buy a bottle of Violet Blossom for the first time, how should they be using it? Well, I, I think personally, I, I basically make it as a gin and tonic. I'd basically do 30, 30 mils to 100 mils, uh, 30 mils gin, three to one, basically, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of tonic, tonic to the gin. Have your glass, maybe, you know, you could do it in a wine glass if you want to kind of fancy it up a bit, but if it's in a highball or a box glass, you know, fill it, fill the ice to the top and then, yep. you know, literally just pour it in, stir it and then add some different garnishes. I think, you know, like you could, with, with the violet blossom, depends on what, what thing you're using. I probably use, you know, you could use some basil leaves in there or a sprig of rosemary. It's got an, some rosemary in it already and then have some you know maybe some blueberries um you could even add some juniper berries if you wanted um but yeah i think you could you can pretty much do whatever you like but I'd try and match a few of the flavors when it comes down to the garnish well on that point um if someone were trying to create something that was a little bit more complex what flavors do you think works well with the violet blossom I mean, you could use vodka. You can use vodka in pretty much most things if you're not a gin drinker, let's face it. But I do think, you know, the botanical makeup really goes. So, like, you kind of, one recipe that I've used, I've used kind of some uh, Portobello Road gin, uh, which is a London dry style gin. And then I've added mm-hmm. some dry vermouth. Um, I actually added a bit of creme de violet 
or, and a touch of absinthe to give it a little bit of aniseed, okay. some lemon juice and some egg white. And I've shaken it. Um, it's got like a beautiful head to it, like a froth. And then I've um, yep. topped it up with some of the tonics and the artisan uh, violet blossom. Okay. And then you can just nice. decorate it with an edible flower. Yeah. Like it's, it's quite mixable. People haven't really started hugely experimenting in that area. So I think that's relatively new. But yeah, you could, I think that you could do almost like a margarita with it, you know, as well. And you can right. add some violet blossom to the top. Yeah, I think that you could play around with it and have lots of fun. What is the reaction bartenders have had to the range? So far, good. I mean, we are a new. Uh, brand to market and um, I think the UK is quite different uh, because you know you're not a saturated market in that area but there, are, there is quite a lot of choice um, right. but also they're a bit more advanced as well uh, you know with and used to people requesting you know um, you know flavoured mixes so I think that in Australia the, the issue that we have here is that um, a lot of um, a lot of bars have mixes on the gun. Yep. So there's a guest hasn't really had a choice, you know, between having you know a bottle of mixer versus the gun. It's just like put straight in whether you like it or not. The smaller right. bars and your more craft style bars, you know, they're not using the guns, and and they know that, you know, they know the importance of the quality mixer. With the quality spirit and quality ice and the balance of everything that goes in it, so I think I think that bartenders are you know adapting to it and going yeah okay. What we've seen, you know, in Australia is that you know they're requesting they might not take the London Dry Tonic; they'll take you know the Violet Blossom or or the flavoured ones first. Um, right, just because it's because just, they're a little bit just, more unusual. A little bit more unusual, and it's a little bit more of a selling point as well. And go oh, have you tried this? Bang, you know. Whereas the bigger bars and stuff like that, it's quite tough, I think, still. But I think, you know, with the, the growth of the mixer market and, and quality means that, you know, it's going to be, I think that they'll do, you know, much better. Um, right. And I think that people at home, you know, people that are entertaining, they're going to buy a four or six pack of, of tonic um, and they'll buy quality over quantity, uh, which is what we're seeing yep. a lot in the industry anyway. We're, we're holding a, it's called the Australian Gin Cocktail Cup. It's an independent cocktail competition in the sense of it's not owned by a gin brand. Right. This goes live in a few weeks' time, and it's for bartenders to enter it. So basically they, they can use a craft gin, their choice. Um, they can use one of the range of tonics that we're offering, that, that we've got in the range, and we'll have the pink grapefruit also the agave lemon by then and then it'll be the first do I say well it's the second year we've run the competition which is independent for craft Australian crafts gins and it'll be the first competition this year that will be a mixer competition within the crafting segment so we're we're looking to get roughly about 40 recipes from you know keen avid bartenders in New South Wales now with the no and low alcohol becoming more popular uh, what place do you think tonics have in the market? Um, well, there isn't, you know, like low alcohol, like your spritzers, obviously very huge. Um, and people are enjoying that as an occasion, you know, kind of like mm-hmm. it's a moment. And I think 
you know, brands like Apple have done such a very good job of that. Um, you know, kind of really pushing, you know, that occasion and the aperitivo hour. Um, I think that there is a rise in, you know, in more booty cross style, um, vermouths that have been made, such as like Regal Road. They, they've played a huge part in that, I think, in terms of low, low alcohol drinks. Um, which is the first kind of a move where they've said, you know, where they've had a move with a mixer. Now, I know for a fact our tonics will go with some of those products. We'll just have to match them up and that kind of thing. But I think, you know, Regal Rogue were the first to market with that, with, you know, kind of serving the move um, as a, they say, like a spirit mixer. Uh, low yeah. alcohol. Um, you know, Seedlip have obviously paved the path for that. I think they've done an incredible job, um, you know, and they, I think there's a new brand in Australia called Wires that's just come out. Um, yes. So it's happening. Um, I actually spoke, uh, I was overseas recently, I was speaking to one of the main people from Seedlip, and I said, the problem in Australia, I said, we stock it, we stock it, and, and we have it on the menu as a non-alcoholic drink. Uh, we have it mm. on the gin and tonic section here in the barbershop, which is Seedlip and um, one of the flavoured tonics we you know, plentiful garnishing. And then next yeah. door we have another drink, which is a cocktail that's uh, called the Teetotaler, which has got seed lip in it. But unfortunately, I just don't think the awareness in Australia is out there of what these brands are uh, and how they're made. Right. I think it's still... And how they're used. Uh, well, and how they're used. And it, I still think it's relatively new to the market here. I do see a place for it, and that's why we sell it. And I, I think it's absolutely genius what they've done, where they've made a non-alcoholic spirit. Um, because it means that, you know, if, if somebody isn't drinking for whatever reason, then they can go to a bar and feel like they're a part of it. They're going to get their drink in a nice glass. It's not going to be full of sugar like a, a mocktail or, a, or a, you know, Coca-Cola or such, you know, or a, mm. or a juice that, you know, um, so it means that they, you know, they're buying into the experience. They might pay the same price as a gin and tonic, but it's with seed lip and tonic, or it's a seed lip cocktail. Right. And I think, I think it's, I think it's really amazing what we've done. I do think there will be a place for it, but right now it's it's still pretty quiet in that area. You were talking earlier about having a few more expressions in the works for Artisan. Can you tell us a little bit more about those? Uh, <laughs> um, I can't or at least really. Give us little hints. <laughs> no hints. Um, quite tough that one because it's a pretty cool <laughs> idea. I think not many people have done it yet, so <laughs> so we don't want to give away our goods just yet. <laughs> um, but however, the, the, you know, I do think the the relatively innovative. Um, you know, I think, you know, a small portion of the market will, will, will like them, uh, you know, that are looking at, that enjoy premium mixes. Um, mm -hmm. And it, one, will, one will be slightly localised. Okay. All right. <laughs> when are you looking at those being yeah. released? This year or? Um, well, potentially this year. We're, we're, working, we're actually working on the flavours as we speak. We are bringing out a fiery, uh, it's called a fiery ginger ale. We're bringing that out, I think, in November, latest. It'll be in Australia in November, uh, and maybe probably okay. in the UK, mid-September, end of end of September, probably. So, so that's the next um, skew we're bringing out, and then hopefully, 
um, the two new shoes will follow after that. So I'd say it probably would be after Christmas, but you never know. It might be sooner. Well, now that everyone knows a little bit more about Artisan, where can they get it? In the UK to buy it off the shelf. You can go in Harvey Nichols or Fortnum and Mason. Uh, they're kind of like we haven't, been, you know, so really kind of boutique market kind of, like, said, like supermarkets that kind of thing. Now here in Australia, uh, we've we've got it in about eighty odd bar, eighty odd bars so far. Um, right. But in terms of off premise, we haven't got it. We haven't put it into the off premise just yet. Uh, the only place that you can get it um, is Drink Hive, which is in Rosebury. Um, that's the only right. off premise store we've got. Which is owned, okay. Drink Hive is owned by our distributor, which is Noble Spirits. Right. Okay. Yeah. And are you going to be releasing them off premise soon? Yeah. Yeah. That's the plan. But yeah, before the end of the year, we want it in the off premise. Right. And other than Australia and the UK, are you in any other markets like the US or, or well, Asia or? No, we're not yet. Um, being told that um, we're going to go into Italy before the end of the year um, and also randomly Denmark, over to Italy first and then Denmark after that. And then there is talk about going into the Middle East as well, to Dubai, um, but okay. we'll see what happens there. There's been a, an expression of interest there as well. So, you know, but baby, baby steps, you know, we're, we're no rush. You know, we're happy doing what we're doing. Uh, we've got it in... We've got it so far anyway into the right the right venues in the UK and Australia and also, you know, off-premise in the UK. And, and we do a lot of um, festivals with it in the UK so far. Um, the the most recent one was called Pub in the Park, um, which is basically, I think it's like about six festivals. So we've been the preferred tonic there for the, for the, for okay. the gym show, for the gym bars. Um, and I think early September, there's a show called Gin and My Tonic in Liverpool, in the northwest, um, right. and we'll be we'll be we'll be in that show as well. Um, so it's okay. pretty exciting. Yeah, good. That's cool. Yeah, All great. right. Well, if people want more information, they should obviously go to your website, which is artisandrinks.com. Yes. And yes, Mickey, look, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. No, thank you. And we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Cocktails Distilled. Be sure to visit cocktailcollective.com.au to access the show notes. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Until next time, cheers. <laughs>